All right. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. Hey, excited everyone. Excited to be with you again today. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Father's Day, talk about some of our experiences with our fathers, fathers involved in sex ed, all the things you want to hear. Yeah, so yesterday was Father's Day. So shout out to all the dads and parents out there. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge before we start how challenging this episode might be for not only like our listeners, but also each other. Like, you know, I think everyone has things with parents, but I know you and I specifically have talked about some like deeper things with our dads and, and what that means. So I just want to acknowledge that for everyone and also <laughs> remind ourselves each other to like stick with the authenticity and the vulnerability, but also give ourselves the grace of whatever that means for us. Because I know for me, talking about fathers and my dad has been very challenging. I used to never be able to do it without crying. Now I can sometimes do it without crying. So we'll see what happens today. But I just wanted to put that out there before we really dove in <laughs> to the father discussion. Thank you for that. That that was much needed. I think honestly hearing that does make me just like take a deep breath a little bit. <laughs> Prepping for this or just like thinking about it last night. I was at Matt's and I was just like writing stuff down. I would just like sat and thought because I don't think I had thought and mm -hmm. all the emotions, you know, yeah. I was like, I was like, I felt so grateful at some points. There were points that I, I was literally like tearing up and Matt's just like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah fathers but, where to start <laughs> yeah but you know what that's why I think it's so important to share because I remember when I was okay when I was 15 I went to high school in the 90s and you know the famous uh Fresh Prince episode or Will Smith's oh, you know dad uh -huh. you know and that whole conversation with him and Uncle Phil and um and there's a point where he's like, why doesn't he want me? And that whole scene, right? It's the famous Fresh Prince scene everyone talks about. If I ever meet Will Smith, I'm going to talk to him about it. But um, that episode really changed my life because up until that moment, I thought I was the only person dealing with everything I was going through with my dad and how isolating and lonely that was. And so when I think about us sharing you know, not, maybe not everyone's seen that episode of Will Smith, you know, like us sharing, I think can let others know that they're not alone and that they're not all the only ones going through this. Let's um, talking about parents in general and family in general can be deep, but I know, especially for us and other folks that have stuff with dads can be deep. That's the second time on this pod that I can recall you talking about that feeling of like I thought I was the only one and mm -hmm. finding safety in and or just security and knowing that other people are going through the same thing what a powerful feeling to kind of mm -hmm. realize that's not just you going through it oh I think oh there you are. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about your dad no, I just took a pause because I was like, let me take a breath. I thought you were frozen. No. <laughs> Power of the pause. The, I was like, is how, he there? Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess, let me, how to start. Um. So 
for those of you that don't know, my father died, um, which I realized in thinking about this episode, it'll be eight years in October. And I can't believe it's been eight years. So my father was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with my father when he was sober. Um, so there's that. Um, and so, and he wasn't really around at all when I was young. Um, he was there when I was small, but then I didn't see him from the age of 10 until 21. Um, and we didn't really even speak. He'd like call me on like his birthday and father's day, um, and things like that. So my memories of my father are when I was very young and then as an adult. Um, and also I was fathered by many men throughout my life. Um, my mom has been married many times. Um, love you, mom. Shout out. I know you're listening. And But each of those men um, fathered me in a way. And, and now my uncle, I would say, is the person that fathers me. So even though I talk about my biological dad a lot, I think I hopefully will have a chance to share a little bit about those other men who fathered me as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's like a brief nugget on my dad. Should we just get into stories or do you want to share a bit about your dad? I can give a little background about mine. I appreciate you sharing this. I'm excited to hear more as well because we've talked a lot about this, but always good like Matt was asking questions last night as well and I was like I don't know that like I don't know like so very curious yeah. to hear more my dad uh is an avid listener to the pod he sent us an email and I think that's yeah. a testament to kind of who he is he like is a very caring guy um but he was actually invited to be on today and he politely declined and we accepted that because yeah. consent <laughs> right but shout out to paul miller who i actually didn't even call yesterday on father's day Ugh, i'm gonna gonna call you today dad i Son <laughs> fail omg <laughs> i texted him i was like call you today or tomorrow he's like got your card great <laughs> um my dad he how do i describe him he's very passionate he's very kind um and what i love about him is that I never, or what I was thinking, what I love is just, he was just a great role model. I didn't feel like policed or like forced into things. He really lives his life as a humble, like hardworking, no complaints, just genuinely kind human. It almost feels fake, but because I know him, it's just very real. Like, I feel like my mom and I are similar in the way that we're like cranky but my dad's just like always upbeat and kind um yeah and always just been very supportive he grew up uh with parents um who got divorced and he traveled with the army his dad was in the army or air force ended up in central pennsylvania and he's kind of been there ever since so he's very much a small town rural guy and has been there since high school except for like a brief trip out west and kind of just made his roots and just hard middle class working guy raising the family American dream I would say oh, wow and also I haven't I can't believe I haven't met your parents um I, like I don't think so that I don't think <laughs> there I would haven't. be any any time you would have yeah I didn't so hopefully we can make that happen <sighs> So, okay, so I was thinking about this because I also 
don't want to have this be like our own therapy and be crying the whole time. But I also really wanted to share. um, I recently did a keynote um, at at the Maine Family Planning Conference up in Augusta, Maine. Shout out to Maine Family Planning. And um, I did the keynote. And one of the things I talked about were like times in my life that I remember being part of my sexual development. So and I told this story there, and I don't think I've really told it to people a lot. So I think I'll share it. So I was in um, like pre-K, like daycare. This is before I was in school. My dad was still around at this time, still living with us. Um, and so I was in pre-K and there was a boy and we decided that we were going to show each other our, our privates in air quotes. That was our plan. We're like, I will show you mine. You show me yours. Like, and I was hyped. I was into it. I was like, yes, I don't know what you're showing me, but whatever it is, I want to see it. Like <laughs> What's I was down like, there. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can see mine. I want to see what you have. Like, let's do it. Like I was for it. Okay. And so we, there was like a fort because inherently we knew there was something wrong with it though, that we yeah. hid in a fort to do it. That's and so yeah. I showed him mine and then he did not show me his typical man. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> I was so pissed. So the whole thing, we had made this pact that we wouldn't tell anyone. Okay. So inherently knew it was wrong. We weren't going to tell anyone. We did it in a fort and then I didn't get to see anything. But what happened is as soon as my mom came to pick me up, this kid came up and was like, Rachel showed me her private. And he told on me like, okay, I don't remember who this kid is. I don't know his name. I can't think of what he looks like. Dragon. If Drag he's him. ever listening, like, who are you? Anyway, <laughs> uh, ass you owe me a dick pic. <laughs> Solicit it. Um, anywho. My water out. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everyone. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's get to where my dad comes in. So, you know, it's a fuzzy memory. At some time, my mom must have came home, told my dad about it. And um, so we're sitting at the dinner table and my dad is like, I know what happened, blah, blah, blah. And he has this wooden spoon. And he's like, if you ever do that again, and he takes the wooden spoon, he hits the table, the wooden spoon breaks in half, goes fly. And I'm just there terrified. And put a pause in it. My dad was not a, uh, he, I don't want to say he wasn't a violent person. He was a never violent person towards me. Like I didn't get spanked. I think I got spanked once in my life for my dad. Like I didn't get, he towards me, he wasn't violent. Um, so this moment of, I was not allowed to do that. And this violence and this fear that he was so hard, he broke something was just like terrifying. And mind you, I was like four or five right? Because I'm in preschool um, or daycare or something. I asked my mom about that, but uh, it was really um, terrifying. And so I often think about that as, right, like how people that are socialized as girls, how our sexuality is so shamed, right? Um, anything about our sexuality, anything about our pleasure, masturbation, everything we do, it's dirty, it's wrong, it's, you know, you're a bad girl, and how that really plays out into our development um, as women, um, as we do get older and start being in relationship, whether it's, you know, 
platonic or romantic or sexual. So I think about that often and not often, but I think about it into a way like, how did that affect my own shame with my own pleasure, right? From having that message at such a young age that it was wrong and bad and scary to show your private or piece of yourself to someone else that was fully consensual. This boy did not like, I mean, he didn't show me his, so I feel a way about that. But at the beginning, it was consensual, right? Like he didn't like pressure me to do it. I was all in. Um, so I've thought about that a lot. And I, so there's that. But I think, yeah, so that's one story. I think I'll pause and, and let you share a story before I. Well, yeah, I, I mean, how so many things with that. First, the you already knowing at age four, like that doing this private stuff has to be hidden and then like it's it's either shameful or maybe that's a good thing that you learned like I shouldn't be doing this out in public I think that's Mm -hmm. interesting and I like wonder where we pick up on that Mm -hmm. and also the fact that you still remember this I don't want to like classify it as trauma but like it seems like a core memory like imagine if our fathers had the bandwidth or the knowledge to just like Mm-hmm. ask us about what happened mm-hmm. to like be understanding about mm-hmm. child development just be like hey it is very normal that you want to do this we're all curious but this is private parts we shouldn't be doing this with other people mm-hmm. these are the people it's okay with these are the people it's not mm-hmm. and how that conversation could have yeah. yeah like you said shifted something so dramatically and we yeah. a lot of adults are not prepared for that or don't feel comfortable yeah. Yeah, and him being able to have a conversation about consent with me. Mm. Um, I think about like my own sexual development, my own sexual experiences and how that conversation about, uh, if it had been about consent rather than I'd done something wrong, how that would have shaped me. Um, And it's so common, right? So many parents, and, and it's not that they're, bad people right on the shame parents right it's that parents love their kids and they are afraid that something is bad is going to happen and so they're doing it out of protection out of fear right but if we could change that and shift that those reactions yes that when we're afraid instead of acting on fear we act on love how how that shifts even someone so young mm-hmm. and how it molds them throughout their life because society already gives enough messages to young people about sex. And, you know, I, I'm obviously speaking from the lens of a girl um, in this society, but we, we need our parents to help us like shift through those messages. Um, so I encourage folks parents to do that when they're sitting in their fear to take a pause and kind of think about is this my fear or is how can I instead of reacting with fear react with love and care and tenderness and also without violence right like yeah a lot of early memories of violence um for me growing up yeah. parents yeah I, I really feel like par- parents do the best they can based on what mm-hmm. they've learned and I think parents should be kids primary sex educators like first and foremost 
Yeah. These people making the arguments that it should all be taught at home by who, <laughs> what, what are you going to learn? I mean, you'll learn some yeah. things, but like, yeah. like most parents are not equipped and it's not their fault and I'm not blaming them, but like, yeah. you think that sex ed should not be taught in a school because parents know it all is like asinine, ridiculous. Get out of yeah, here. Because that. I mean, if, all adults knew all the things about sex ed, we wouldn't have 99% of the issues in the society that we have. Mandatory uh, yeah. therapy for every fucking Everyone. out there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're all traumatized. <laughs> so traumatized. And this is, again, I don't want to shame parents. Correct. They're all doing their best, but like, you know, it's interesting. I, I have friends who have children and it's, it's, um, that they struggle with their kids in the teenage years. And I think because I have worked with teenagers my whole life and I've seen the effects of uh, how people parent their kids on young people, I often have a hard time when I'm hearing people that I care about talking about their parenting. And I'm like, ooh, and again, it is none of my business. I need to stay all the way out of it, mm -hmm. but it's often very times hard for me because I'm thinking about all the kids I've worked with and they then came to me and talked about like, I'm struggling with my family with X, Y, and Z and how I wish I could have had like more open conversations with parents um, during that time. So I, I struggle with that as a a friend to people with teenagers or preteens, I often just am like, mm, I'll be quiet because it's a not my business, but also I'm like, mm. you mean, <laughs> you mean like you want to help them out and you want to like give yeah. them advice? Yeah, okay. but I don't think, you know, I for me and my friends, I don't think that they would. You know, I think as an outsider, we always notice things that people might not notice on the inside, but I don't think it's my place to be like, you know, X, Y, Z, you're saying this to your kid that's going to fuck them up. Um, it is hard. It's always like- <laughs> It's really asking. hard. There's a very yeah. fine line. It's a very oh. fine line with like butting in someone's business and their family and, and every family has their own mm -hmm. values and norms. But I think just working with teenagers for so many years and seeing- kind of the reciprocal end of that from young folks there's times I'm like e. we get them yeah and it's also interesting because we feel like parents to them but we are definitely not so we yeah. we know what it's like to teach them in a classroom setting and like Bex practices uh -huh. for that but like not having to deal with them for the other 23 hours it's yeah a, it's a day is a completely different yeah. thing right and neither of us are um human parents you're a yeah. dog mom but yeah it, yeah, it's very different, I would think. <laughs> yeah, like I don't have to worry. Like I don't live with those people too. They're yeah. not telling me they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Lola doesn't tell you that. Lola, Lola, Lola is obsessed with me. First of all, watch your mouth. <laughs> Probably on your lap right now or like. No, she's not. Lola's my dog, everyone. Who's wondering who Lola is. Shout out to Lola. Um, right. Um. So what about you? Is there like a core memory that you have about your dad and him influencing you? There's, I was thinking about this. There's not like, I mean, there's a bunch. I think it does, I didn't realize it at the time, but it does connect with my sexuality. I always like stereotypical, I came, I came out as tw at 27, like very late, but I always felt off 
I don't want to say off. I always felt a little different and kind of knew something was there. It just took me a while to acknowledge like a lot of gay or queer people. As a child or as a young person, I was, um, I did a lot of things that maybe weren't traditionally masculine or things for boys. Very young was into the Little Mermaid. Like, I don't want to say into, like I was obsessed. Like I watched it all the time, every day. I had Little Mermaid dolls. I, there's videos of me singing, part of your world, all that stuff. And my dad and my mom, had, they were very supportive. Like they knew I loved it. They got me Ariel dolls. And that I knew something was off about me liking it, but it didn't feel like it was from them. It felt like it was from like my extended family who just kind of always like talked about it or just like people at school and things like that. And also another non-traditional thing I did, I shouldn't say non-traditional. I did gymnastics as a kid. Like I remember watching the 96 Atlanta Olympics with like Shannon Miller, Dominique Dawes, and just being like gooped, loving it, being obsessed with their femininity and how good they were. And they won the gold. And I was like, I want to do gymnastics. And my parents were like, great. My grandma paid, put me in. I went twice a week. And with gymnastics my dad was just very like he was a state champ in high school he got a college scholarship d1 there was no pressure to like be that person he was just happy I was happy and he was very invested he would come and watch um he would videotape me at gymnastics sometimes I would do routines in the house and he would with music that I had like choreographed and he would like score me and watch he built oh my god me. that's awesome oh my god they've got to be out there somewhere I was like full-on like landing and like flicking yes <laughs> I need to contact Mr. and Mrs. Miller and get those videos oh definitely not yes but yes like he made I think I remember him making me like a pull-up bar to do that and like rings and like a pomahor like physically making them for me so that wow. I could practice so he wanted me to do what I wanted and I really, I appreciate that so much right now. And if I ever am a parent, like, I know I want to be that person. Um, yeah, that was, it was really special. It was really nice. That's so beautiful. I mean, how many young kids, especially boys, are told they can't do things because that's for girls? And honestly, why? That's so dumb. Why can't all genders like Little Mermaid? It's dope. Mm-hmm. right why can't everyone like gymnastics it's really cool to be able to flip your body in all the yeah. ways yeah side note folks mr drew miller can still do back talks i've seen it <laughs> my own eyes um, <laughs> me on the other hand can't do a cartwheel but that's that's a i'll teach story. you <laughs> no everyone's gonna teach me it's not no happening. you're giving up <laughs> oh shout out to vicky acosta newberg newberg uh community gymnastics teacher um but yeah, like if all young people, like imagine if we just took away the gender of toys and activities and everyone just did the thing that like brought them joy. What a great world it would be. Like think about all the people that don't do things that they that bring them joy because for whatever reason, society has told them not to, whether it's for a different gender or it's for a different race or because it's for a person that's smarter or looks a certain way or whatever it might be like imagine if we all just took that 
and said, no, I'm only doing things that bring me joy. And then everyone else just let it rock. <laughs> like, the world. It would just be such a different place. And I so love for you that your parents did that. Because that's a beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. I am grateful. Yeah, I, I kind of forget about it because... I don't know. I guess I just don't think about it as much, but looking back, it's very much like, wow, like dad did it. Dad was supportive. He never missed like a practice or a game. And like, ultimately I feel like that's his love language towards me was just like, what is that quality time or acts of service, mm. which I, I truly feel like he got from his mother. Cause she was very much that, like, not necessarily nurturing, but very like, present will go above and beyond for her children it's awesome mm -hmm. that's very beautiful yeah paul is yeah he's we differ on some values like he's a little more conservative um he's very religious as well but i i don't want to like I don't look at him as like an oppressive religious person. Like he, he lets it guide him and he enjoys it, but I, he's not that type of person who's like trying to get people to become a Christian. He's not like preaching about it. He lives his life that way. And honestly, I feel like if a lot more people, a lot more Christians were like him, I might have a different value system with it. And I also felt like, even though he was Christian, when I decided it wasn't for me, he was just like, okay, <laughs> like, that's fine. You do you, which I also am very grateful for. Like, let me live my fucking life. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. And for our listeners, I just want to say that we don't like rehearse questions beforehand. Oh, no. We just do topics. So if you don't want to talk on this, full stop, like whatever. I'm Bring curious it on. if you are open to sharing um, how your father's religious beliefs have hindered or supported or affected you as a gay man and if you've had those conversations or what has that meant to you in your own coming out and I know you came out late um yeah if you're if you're interested in sharing definitely that listeners, no pressure helped hindered yeah we so also clarify our relationship I wouldn't classify us as close we we care about each other very deeply but if i call on the phone it's it's like father's day birthday i'll go home a couple times a year if i call home it's like with my mom on the phone too i wouldn't say we have like a deep close relationship we haven't had a lot of these talks um thinking about like how that's affected i think i i think my fear was with coming out in general was just not being accepted and i I didn't think my parents or my dad wouldn't accept me. It, it was just like an, I think it was more of like an everybody thing. It was self-hatred, mm -hmm. guilt, shame, all the things. And I, I don't, I can't think of anything about my dad, like making me feel a type of way or like gay is bad. I never recall that. Other than just having to just going to church and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> My church wasn't like anti-gay, but there wasn't a lot of queer or gay visibility in central Pennsylvania. But I do remember when I finally came out to them, 
And my mom was like, oh my gosh. I think she was like, she had the shock. And my dad was like deadpan and was just like, we, I don't know if he said, I love you or I'll always love you or I'll still love you. No, not still love you. It's like, I love you no matter what, one of those things. And I guess that kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting a dramatic reaction, but like that was not what I was expecting. I was maybe like a, okay, we'll deal with it. Or like, I don't know, like I need some time, but it was, it was deadpan. Like I will, I love you no matter what. And that's, that's always stuck with me. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I, I, I wish every young, yeah, every queer person to have that <sighs> type of just radical acceptance. I know I tend to be so hard on my folks or my dad. I was like, you should be doing this. You're like, this is what you should be learning, blah, blah, blah. But like, like, as I talk about it, like my childhood was like, there's nothing to complain about. Like he, they were there. They, they did everything they could. They were supportive. They were loving, grateful for them. That's awesome. You talked about on our, I think it was our last episode about having your dad at the dinner table, we talked about yes. who would you invite, what kind yeah. of, what kind of conversations, or like, I don't know, what, how, how do you feel about your dad? What would you talk to him about? I found myself getting emotional. Um, oh, God, here it goes. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, you know, I think I never had, um, I would like to talk to him about why he made the choices he did at this age and maturity in my life. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Hello. Yeah, because I didn't get a chance to ask. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I would have, I would like to ask him about the choices he made and why. Father's Day is always very hard. (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean by choices? So I don't want to get into all my trauma right here, but it was very challenging for my mom as a single mom and everything that my father did. Um, And so what I know is there is a point in time where my mother said, you should just stop coming around. It'll be easier if you're not around. And he did that. And I want to know why. Um, You know, I can hypothesize about it. You know, his own shame and his own fear and Mm -hmm. his own shit combined with all his addictions that he used to combat that. But I would like to have a conversation with him as the person I am today about. Wow, I thought I had mentally and emotionally prepared for this conversation. Alas. Do you envision that you'll ever get that combo? Does does like your belief system be think like when I pass away, like I will meet my dad again and I will get to ask those questions? No, I don't believe in that. But I will say that I do dream of him every so often since he's passed. He's 
showed up in my dreams about three times. And each time it's like healing. What do you, how do your other siblings feel about well, your parents? We all have like very different and complicated relationships um, for many reasons. My father has five children, uh, three baby mamas, <laughs> um, and three, three daughter, or sorry, four daughters and a son. Um, we, we all have very different relationships. And part of that is because all the girls are seven years apart. Um, and, and so we just, you know, grew up at different times of in our in our own mother's lives, in our father's life, you know, seven years is a big chunk of time. Yeah, that's huge. So we all have very different memories and very different things. I was very close with my father when I was a kid. I was like daddy's little girl. I had him mm. wrapped around my finger. I loved him even through all the trauma that I witnessed. Like I was ride or die. Um which made it more painful, I think, when he left, which has led to a lot of like my own abandonment issues and attachment issues, you know, like <laughs> all the things we work on in therapy that we go through. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But even though he was absent, like I said, I had, I was lucky to have some great men father me um, and a couple not so great men. Um, but I did have like I said, like multiple father figures in my life. Um, so one of my, I think probably besides my uncle, who's like my father figure now, one of my uh, father figures when I was early on was a, a man my mom dated for, I don't know, you know, I was young. So to me, it seemed like forever, but it was probably just like two or three years. Um, and he was an amazing dad. Like I loved him. Like he was such a cool dad and he had other children. And mm -hmm. I was just like obsessed with him. He was all the things that my dad couldn't be, you know, sober. Um, he was not violent. He was, you know, my dad was funny, but it was just different. It's different with someone who's sober, you know? Um, and when him and my mom broke up, it was really sad. Um, that was a really hard, like, loss of a father figure for me as a young kid. Because I was, like, in fourth grade when they broke up, something. So I remember that being very challenging. But I think each of these father figures, I learned something different from them. Um, and even my father, my biological father, I learned things from him, like so many of the great parts of so many parts of me that I love, I got from him. I got my curly hair from him. Mm -hmm. You know, I got my sense of adventure and travel from him. Uh, yeah, I also got bunions. That's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs> Yeah, rude. And like all my, I have many, many moles. I got all those from him too. So, you know, I think for me, you know, I've done a lot of therapy about my dad, you know, um, which is why I'm kind of a little surprised at the emotional reaction I had, probably just because Father's Day was yesterday. So it was already emotional. But um, 
yeah, like for me, it was about finding the good in him and, and, and what I learned because I would not be the person I am today if I hadn't gone through those things. And at the same time, I wish I would have had, I will say, I wish I would have had something different. It would be, I, I often wonder what it's like to have something different. Um, but, you know, when I was, I used to always be like in therapy, if I would have just had this or that, everything would have been perfect. And it took a therapist to be like, how do you know that? And I was like, ah, oh, accurate. Like, I don't know, you know, it could have been worse. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the lessons I did learn mm-hmm. from him. Um, but I, it's taken a lot of work in therapy to kind of like, also the trauma and the things about relationships to kind of like move me through those to have something different in my life in relationship. Um, Mm. Are you still in contact with um, the man, your father? That's an interesting point as well. Like when your parents are dating or I don't know if your mom remarried, but like you develop that relationship and then if they break up, like, how does that work for the child? Like, yeah, are you, is the father still involved? Like, I would imagine that's hard yeah. for a mom. Like, yeah, like it's complicated. So that, that other man, he, like, we follow each other on, on Facebook, but you know, I was young. We left out of contact, what have you. Um, my, st- I did have a stepfather for my mom remarried. I was like 12 or 13, like eighth or ninth grade. Um, And so she was married to that man for many years. I have two brothers, um, two half brothers. And, and and, you know, he passed away this past year, which was really hard. Um, I don't think I want to talk about him on this podcast because it's fresh and it's my brother's dad. And, Mm. you know, that can just be left for the family right now but you know I did learn a lot from him as well uh, both good and bad um and then when him him and my mom got divorced and him and I no longer had contact as well so you can there's a pattern in my life of abandonment from men which I've dealt with in therapy but it's like you know knowing those cycles and understanding that and then approaching it differently is important but as a teacher I was able to connect with a lot of my students because of that. You know, I think I've talked about becoming a teacher to be like the kind of adult I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was a teacher, you know, unfortunately I had so many students with similar stories, dad stories. um, And I could connect on them at levels that sometimes other teachers couldn't. And I think our conversations and discussions um, had a different lens than maybe some other teachers uh, because of my experiences. And I think that was really valuable. I think that's what allowed me to connect with young people um, a lot in the health education space because of how I grew up and what I experienced. That goes into like, yeah, kind of like your research and stuff your research more about like identity and how that influences, but like every person brings in different things, which is why so cool to see so many different people with so many different stories teaching because that allows you connect with, to connect with 
different kids that I'm not going to connect with or somebody else isn't. So like, so valuable to have a lot of diversity or a lot of people with different experiences in the classroom. Yeah. It's so important for young people to have teachers of like different genders, different identities, different backgrounds, so that there's at least one person in their world for them to connect with. And they might find surprising connections with people that they have nothing come with or something you wouldn't think mm-hmm. you have in common with. I remember, I think I spoke before in the podcast about a student of mine who's in her thirties. Now we're friends. And I remember her telling me, uh, she's black. She told me, she said, miss, you were the first white teacher I ever had. And I was like, Oh shit. I didn't even think about that. Right. And, and so she came in with like, some feelings right Mm -hmm. and we ended up being very close so that's also interesting right if if you've never had a teacher that has certain identities and then learning about them it can really be uh life-changing for young people yeah yeah so true how are you feeling about dad stuff and your dad not wanting to come on the show which I totally understand right totally shout out this is not for everyone yeah um but are you worried about you know I can kind of say whatever I want my dad is no longer here and even if I thought he was listening he wouldn't care but how are you experiencing talking about dads and kind of feelings knowing that like you see you don't have a lot of deep conversations do you think this could lead to a deeper conversation and would you want that Mm. and how are you kind of feeling I think Paul has definitely like sought that out at times. And I think I've kind of been closed off. So I don't even put it on him. Like, I know there's been times when he's asked like questions. I'm just like, oh, dad, I don't want to do it. I don't feel any type of way that he didn't want. I, I like chuckled, of course. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think that's very much his brand. It's like, nope, I'm good. And that's fine. Yeah. And I totally respect that. I guess I was surprised reflecting on all these these moments how like emotional I got I tend I think I tend to see a lot of people and maybe you feel this way like in New York or wherever we live who have like deep quote in quotes like relationships with their families and they spend a lot of time or like contact them every day so I think sometimes I'm kind of like oh I wish I had that like my like some I don't know but like reflecting on all this stuff. I don't know. I, I truly do feel really grateful. And like, I'm, I'm grateful that I teared up. I got, I got a little teary on the podcast. I got teary thinking about it last night. Um, Yeah. I would be open to having more of these combos with my dad. I think it makes me feel super uncomfortable. Like I can do this all day with a kid and just be like, let's talk about this. So like, why do you feel that way? But for some reason doing it with my father figure feels like oh my god <laughs> it's like I want it but I don't want to do it at all <laughs> yeah well I mean it doesn't matter how old we get we revert back to like these young versions Patterns. of ourselves yeah. where the trauma occurred right like that's why like in therapy right folks work on what your trauma when you were young and working through that mm-hmm. so that you don't react to it the same as an adult but we I mean with my mom we're together. I fight with her. Like I'm 14 and I'm listening to myself sound like a bratty 14 year old. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I just can't stop. Right. (laughs) And she's going to, I'm sure if she's ever on the show, she's going to have some things to say about that. She's coming on. She's she's going to like, 
say all the things, but that's what we do. We revert back to those selves. And so I would love to see like more parents and, you know, we're talking about dads today, but anyone who's a parent really just get involved in this feelings process with their young people from an early age and not starting when they're 14, right? Like starting when they're young, because if you start when you're young talking about feelings and and the hard conversations, then it's going to be easier when they're 14 and they're in their like asshole stage, right? Because every teenager is like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Don't understand me. That's what we do, right? But if you've already built that foundation as a young person, I'm not saying it's not going to be there when they're a teenager, but it's going to be so much easier to have the conversations because the foundation is there you know and that emotional intelligence and talking to young people about their feelings and not devaluing their feelings or dismissing it is so important and then helping them to learn strategies to work through that and and isn't that the power of health ed right like if we all had health ed every year we would need so much less therapy because we'd already have these tools. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of hope for the younger gen, Gen Z, Mm -hmm. maybe some younger millennials who have gotten more of this or are more in touch with this stuff because of social media and through education. Like, I think a lot of this emotionless, I don't want to say emotionless, but like non-traditional like masculinity or fatherhood, it can just be better like we could have father figures who are more in tune who are more curious Mm -hmm. about their children's emotions and not making them feel like they can't feel that way or that's a quote-unquote bad it's just uncomfortable let's let's talk about it well and I love the work that's being doing in the field about masculinity and fatherhood right if you look at shout out to Christopher Pepper shout out to Dr. John Taylor shout out to Dr. Nakisha Floyd talk to Dr. James Wadley shout out to like all these people that are doing dope things talking about masculinity as it relates to fatherhood and I'm hoping to get all those people on a panel for the podcast someday please um working on that shout out folks heard it here first Mm -hmm. um because that is so important and and this is not to like not talk about moms. We'll talk about moms and, and other parents another day. But I think specifically talking about fatherhood is so important because we do need to reshape how we're looking at masculinity so men can be empowered to father in the ways that uh, builds better, not better, builds more emotionally intelligent men and, and men who have joy. Yeah. Um, and then it's not to disclude other genders but I do think we we really need to focus on some masculinity and, and what it means to be a man in, in today's society. I mean, I look at my nephew who's 10, right? He's, he's headed to the preteen stage. And I look at my sister who's doing an amazing job of teaching him emotional intelligence. Like this kid is so good at describing his emotions and talking about them. That's going to be great. Like when he's older, that he has these skills. And yeah, it's about 10 year old things, but he's really able to do it. And and that's great because then when he is 15, he's going to be able to talk to my sister because they already have that connection. Yep. 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 And he's not going to be worried about being shamed because he knows that my sister doesn't shame him. Right. Because if you're afraid of being shamed, you're not going to the person. 
the fact that he's naming his emo yeah like i had <laughs> i still struggle it's like i i can for myself i'm like this is a bad one this is not i push it down when yeah. it needs to come out or i need to name it just yeah. freaking naming it is so helpful yeah like he told me yesterday he's learning he's becoming scuba certified this week right so yesterday i was talking to him i was like oh my gosh you're so excited he's like yeah but i'm a little nervous and how amazing for a young boy to be able to say i'm feeling nervous and then my reaction wasn't be like man up and don't be nervous right like because no i was like oh that's okay to be nervous like what part makes you nervous and he's like uh you know so we talked about like what was making him nervous Imagine if I would have said, man up, don't be nervous. There's nothing to be nervous about, right? Mm-hmm. How that would affect him. But instead, he, like, who doesn't get nervous? Like, at one point or another, and he's already had a scuba dive, for God's sake. <laughs> Terrifying. They, they, so, this generation, so cool. Yeah. Um, so I love seeing that. Because how amazing if instead, like, we're talking... going to get very heteronormative here but like I'm thinking about relationships when and I'm talking about straight relationships when there's this thing of men that they don't want to do it they get scared but instead of like talking about those feelings they just cut someone off or they ghost them or they whatever they do but how amazing if it was okay for a man in any type of relationship to be like you know what I'm having a lot of feelings and it's scaring me because they're intense I don't know if I'm ready for you know to be able to like express what's going on rather than like ghosting or doing some other behavior that's hurtful the um, whole wheel of emotions yeah being able to process and actually talk about it yeah and like how great for men to be able to experience the joy of fatherhood right not as just the person that puts money on the table but the person that had, like, I love seeing dads that are finding joy in their children. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to allow fathers to feel that joy. Yeah. Have you ever done any work with specifically fathers? We've done like, par- I think we've worked with parents and stuff together, but nothing. I've never done something like gender specific. You know, I've done parent workshops and I've done like had like a lot of one-on-one conversations with dads as a teacher um I did have some you know single dads it was mostly with single dads as um when I was teaching and so I I do remember having some longer conversations because they wanted to know like how to talk to their kids about you know whatever it was and usually it was fathers of daughters um so I've had some long conversations there, but I haven't done specific dad workshops and mm. which is something I would be really excited to do. I mean, there's some really great orgs doing that. I mean, Dr. John Taylor has a whole book about it. If folks have heard of equimundo.org, they're doing some great um, um, initiatives around with boyhood and masculinity around the world. And of course, Christopher Pepper does a lot of great work about that as well. He's writing um, a book, Yeah, yeah. So I think that there are people doing that work and I don't know if it's, I go back and forth, right? Is it for me to do the work, you know, um, as a woman? And, you know, I saw, there's this other podcast I've seen with this actor that I can't think of his name right now, but he had two people on and um, it was himself and 
two other guests. One was a man, one was a woman. And one of the men said, well, you know, can you talk to us about a little bit to the woman? He said, why do you think um, you are able to talk about masculinity, right? And she said, because I'm the one that experiences the effects of these toxic masculinity. She, and um, the, the gentleman that asked that question happened to be black. And she said, similarly, how you can talk about whiteness because you're the one that feels the oppression yeah. of whiteness. You can talk about that. So you become an expert in it. And and so I, I think about that a lot too, is yeah, I've experienced all these things from toxic masculinity and and things like that. And right now all masculinity is toxic, but the ones that is. and um. With the parts of masculinity that are toxic. So I, I kind of go back and forth. Like this is work that I really believe in. And, um, you know, so I've experienced, but there's, there's a balance and there's yeah. only so much that I feel comfortable in doing. Um, similarly to how I feel about doing, you know, any other type of work with an identity that is not me, mm-hmm. right? There is a, a moment that you do the work, but then you stop and you say, okay, that part's not for me, right? You got to stay in your lane. We can't, that's how I feel anyway. We can't do it all <laughs> as much as we want to do it all. It's not our place. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever, do you remember any times that you've seen like students negatively affected by father stuff or, or positive, like any good stories that you might be able to share folks with folks? Hmm. Good question. I see it a lot with sports because I'm also the coach. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of the parents and the dads who really take an interest in their child enjoying track and field or enjoying cross country. And they've gotten very curious and just very supportive as to like, Ooh, what kind of sneakers or spikes do they need? Like what, what training should they be doing? Like on the weekends or in the summers, like how do I get them better? Um, when should they be resting? What should they be eating? Right. So I love seeing, cause that's primarily the, the population I work with um, athletes, men and, or boys and girls. It's, it's really, I think that brings me a lot of joy when they see their child having joy in a sport and them getting curious about it. And I also acknowledge that it's probably easier for them to accept because it is an athletic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of men tend to support or enjoy sports. It's versus like, I don't know, would would they be as curious or supportive as if it was something else? And I'm not saying they wouldn't, but yeah, I love seeing involved dads, parents yeah. in general. Yeah, <clears throat> me too. I think about like parent-teacher conferences and the ratio of, you know, parents that come in. Is it mostly moms? Is it dads? It's the parents together, parents different. Um, and I always love to see that. And because in my experience at schools, it tended to be mostly moms that came in. Yeah. Um, I would get really excited when it was dads or you know, parents together, even if the parents weren't like together. Um, I saw a lot of parents like doing some cool co-parenting actually like coming in like uh, together and in really like healthy ways and cool ways, um, which I really liked. And it, mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot of conversations with dads worried about their daughters getting pregnant. That was <laughs> number one concern um, of a lot of dads in conversations that I've had. And out of genuine like love, like not wanting to their daughters to get hurt. Um, and yeah, I think that's like the biggest conversations I've had. I think the coolest conversations I've had with dads is, uh, so I worked at a school, like I've talked about the predominantly girls, but we had also a very large, like a lot of kids out, very like queer friendly school, very trans friendly. Um, and so there's this one student who was very fluid and dope, would be like in a dope athletic gear the next day, the next day in a ball gown that he designed and sewed, right? The, the coolest kid. I think he's actually like a little bit semi-famous now, but I don't want to call him out. But I remember his parents coming in together and his dad talking about him. And you never know how parents are going to come in yeah. and if their kids are out at home or all of that stuff. And his dad was like so proud of him mm. for being himself and and all like like the fact that he could sew, but also like all these things. And so that was really cool to see just because I've also seen, uh, you know, families really harm their kids that are homophobic. So seeing dads that are like, yep, and my kid sewed so, so this ball gown and wore it and looked fly, like is Owned so it. cool. Yeah. yeah. I love seeing that kind of stuff. And it really like would bring my heart a lot of joy. Um, because I do think dads, I think dads get a bad rap, but I think dads are out here really trying. Like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people who father, right? There's a societal pressure. You have to make so much money and provide and that's terrifying. And, but I, I see dads out here, like really doing good things. And, you know, I, I think they, they need a little bit more than a little more shout outs, um, for for the ones that are out there killing it. And doing great yeah and there are a lot of good dads out there lots of great dads <clears throat> yeah lots of great dads and a lot of great men fathering people that aren't quote-unquote their biological children you know I mean mm-hmm. I have to shout out my uncle like we I've always been close with him but as soon as when my father died he like stepped it up to really step in um and I really appreciate him for that he's a really mm-hmm. cool guy and just like funny you know I I always call him on Father's Day he's always like you're always the first one that reaches out before my own kids (laughs) and I'm like oopsie (laughs) like text my cousins like get yourselves together (laughs) I'm like it's just because I'm on east coast time zone (laughs) they just haven't woke up yet that's what I always say I'm like (laughs) you're an early bird too right you yeah relatively early yeah, so that's what I told him. But um, you know, there's so many ways that people father outside of like traditional like dad roles or whatever. Um, and I love to see men like mentoring people and just like giving positive examples of masculinity. It's so cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are your what are your how are you feeling after talking about this? You had an emotional, yeah, I had emotional roller coaster. Moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel good. I think that there's so much more I could share, 
just like a tidbit into my life. Um, and I'm actually writing a book, um, a memoir about my life, um, really talking about the men that raised me as the focal point. So I hope to share that with the world someday. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling okay. Like I'm getting better at being vulnerable. And I, like I said at the beginning, I think it's important to share vulnerability because I'm feeling this way and I know I'm not the only one. Will Smith taught me that I am not the only one. So it's important for me to kind of like give back so the other folks know they're not the only one, whether it's a teenager or, you know, whomever it might be. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of healing to do. Just when I think I'm done with all the healing, I'm like, <laughs> just kidding, you got some more. I'm like, son of a... <laughs> Isn't that the worst? We were like, okay, I'm great. That's why all these people like go to therapy and they're like, yeah. oh, I, I'm okay. I don't need them anymore. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, how do you just like, I get it. Like financial reasons, all that stuff. But like the thought of like, I don't know. I'm finding shit about myself that I don't know. Yeah. Like every other week I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Please. Yeah. No, I don't want to think about this. Yeah, I know. But I also think this comes with getting older, right? Like, yeah, um, we start really being able to reflect on our lives in different ways. We have this different set of knowledge. We start thinking about, okay, what is this? Well, I'm a little bit older than you, right? But in my, you know, I'm about to be 46. So I'm quote unquote middle age, which is wild. Because uh, I saw I saw a meme that said, um, my outfit is middle age, but in my heart, I'm spring break. And I really do <laughs> um, But yeah, like, you know, people in my age group were, you know, thinking about like, what, what are we doing with our lives, right? Like, is this how I want to live the rest of my life? What am I leaving behind? All of that kind of juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so part of that for me anyway, and for many others, I think is really just self-reflection, taking stock of our life and, and what the fuck we're doing. Does anybody even know? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know that we need to, it's, it should be all about joy. And what is the point of living if we can't find joy? And so I'm like on this quest, like you should only be living for joy. Yeah. We need money and all of these things. True. But I really want to focus on joy and, and I hope that people can find joy in the people that father them. And I hope that fathers can find joy in fathering. Yeah. I'm curious how my dad is going to feel when he listens yeah. to this. I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Well, I shouldn't say looking forward to. I welcome that conversation yeah. when he listens to it. Yeah. I have a qu another question for you. Do you want to be a father someday? Is that something you're interested in? I have gone back and forth for as long as I've known. You know, living in New York, it's chaotic. It 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 doesn't feel realistic because of the state I live in. Like I have a roommate. I'm 35. I have a roommate. Like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I want to travel. I don't have space. I don't have the emotional energy. Um, I've been asked by people to be like a sperm donor. So I've thought about that and what that could look like as a father I have always thought about having kids 
I honestly don't know. It depends on the day. Mm. It feels like it would have to be like a place, a time more secure than I am right now. Financial, financially, like time-wise, mentally. So, okay, let's say all things are perfect. You have the money, the time, your blah, blah, blah. All those things are perfect. Do you envision yourself being a dad? Oh my God, that's so hard. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yes, you don't have to yes, You don't have to I guess you're right. If all the factors were good, yeah, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. Okay. The fact that it just seems like out of reach for me at this current state. And the cool thing is like, if I want to have children, someday I can. Like, it's yeah. a lot easier for for people like me than people yeah. whose talk, clocks are ticking. Yeah. You've already or, expressed that you do not desire. Yeah, I'm good. Parenthood, correct. And Other that's good love. because I've entered the perimenopause. So <laughs> that <sighs> ship has sailed, my friends. What's perimenopause? Um, Is that like pre-menopause? Yeah, yeah. It's all the fun things. We we need to do a whole talk on menopause. Uh, we'll save that for another day. But yeah, this was yeah, a I talk. don't have a desire to be a parent. Um, I'm good. I am so good although I do think that someday when I'm more financially able I would love to foster um young people that especially like queer trans young folks that have been maybe displaced by their families or kicked out of their home um I would love to foster young people and give them the care and the affirming space they need yeah I I would love to do that um because I know that there are so many young people that you know have to engage in really scary behaviors because for safety and for, you know, for survival. So I would really love to do that. I just, I live in a one bedroom apartment, so I'm not financially able to do that right now. But I think that I can imagine when I'm in my fifties, um, that that's something I would do for sure. But like teenagers, like 14 and above. I say that all the time too. I'm like, I got 90 kids a semester. Like, do I want yeah. one of my own? Like I've, it, we are not parents obviously, but it feels like, and it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand people that are teachers and then our parents like, okay. So my sister-in-law is an elementary school teacher. No. And she has comes home to two children no. under five. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No. <laughs> He has a supportive partner like her and my brother are like all you know in the mix together but i'm like oh no i think about that often too that's wild to me that people work a full or like before work go to work come home to more kids like what do you do for yourself how do you get time to yourself how do you take care of yourself do you take care of yourself yeah i'm not taking care of myself as a 35 year old I don't know, whatever, non-dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can barely take care of myself and my dog is like really my limit and my plants. I have I've I have a plant addiction that's be it's a little bit out of control. I need to stop. I think Ooh. I need it, I need intervention. But I'm not plant parent. <laughs> but yeah, um parenting is is challenging. I'm excited though, some of our future guests that we're gonna have on um that are really experts in uh, in the parenting space. Um, that's gonna be really exciting. Um, we have Kelly Rasu coming on, we have Morgan Cuffey coming on, a couple other folks. So having them come on and talk about parenting, give some tips to some of our parent listeners. Um, 
as experts and also parents is going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, can't wait to get these so guests on here. I know, right? They're coming up soon, folks. So, um, so I think, are we wrapping it up for today? I have expressed everything I need to express. Okay. Yeah. Same. All right, folks. Well, we will see you at our next episode until then. If you can call your dad, uh, or your father or whoever is giving you that fatherly joy. Um, and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>